Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it's almost here. Packers Bears kicking off the NFL's 100th season. It's Thursday night at Soldier Field. Shortly after we leave the studio here, we'll be heading to the airport to catch the plane to get to Chicago. Our last show before the game traditionally has been the keys to victory show. So let's start there. Keys to victory here for the Packers. You want to start on the offensive or the defensive side of the ball? I guess I'm starting on the Packers offense technically, but a lot of it has to do with the Chicago Bears defense. Okay. And the main thing I look at is Aaron Rodgers. We know his history against the Bears. We know his history at Soldier Field. The one thing the Packers need to do in this matchup that I think in some ways they weren't able to do last year was get the ground game moving and get it moving effectively and efficiently. Got a chance to be in the huddles of both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams on uh, what would be Tuesday for the Packers. I wanted to say Friday. <laughs> um, and, you know, them talking about, okay, neither of those guys played in the preseason, but they're both healthy and they both believe in the system. And as I've said at countless points during this offseason, Mike, the changes that this offense is making, I think you're going to see some of it reflected in Aaron Rodgers and his play style, but I think the biggest impact is going to be with the running game, to be quite honest with you. And for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, going up against the league's reigning and defending uh, run defense stopping champion yeah. uh, in the Chicago Bears, yeah. with a unit that brings back pretty much the same parts from last year, is to me the biggest key to victory in this ball game. Aaron Jones has had some mixed history there in Chicago. He's had two knee sprains in two of those games at Soldier Field. If you can actually get him going and get him uh, the ball in open field, I think that is really the biggest thing that could open up this offense and this game for the Packers. Yeah, and I don't see this as one of those games that you're saying, okay, the Packers need to run for 150 yards. Right. You need to put up like some huge rushing numbers or something like that. You're probably not going to do that against the Bears, a team that's coming back with essentially their entire defensive unit intact, and they were number one in the league against the run. But you have to be able to do something on the ground to get them to respect it. And I look at this game as having two keys, and I think they play hand-in-hand. Hand. It's run the ball and protect the ball. And I think run it, being able to run the football is what's going to help the Packers be able to protect the football because right. it will protect Aaron Rodgers. It will give him cleaner pockets. It will potentially give him better throwing lanes to avoid the deflections and the, the turnovers and things like that that this Bears defense, frankly, thrives on. 36 takeaways last year, number one in the league. They scored six defensive touchdowns, the first being by Khalil Mack with the pick six against Deshaun Kaiser in week one. That What the Bears' defense did in the first half of that game at Lambeau Field in yes. week one last year, that set the tone for the way their defense was going to play all season long. And But the times they did get to watch the Bears last year, Yes, they are a very good defense, but they go from a good defense to a great defense when they're turning the ball over. So if you protect the ball, they become much more mortal, I guess is yeah. what I want to say, on defense. And you can't, you can't start turning the ball over and get into this, uh, this situation where they've got they're building momentum from their defense because of big plays. You've got to stay away from it. Yeah, that. and it's funny you mention that, too, because Jamal Williams said the same thing. They are mortal. That, that's <laughs> the way he looks at this matchup. He's like, we all bleed red, and certainly they are a good defense, but they're not going into this game scared in that regard. The thing that is exciting, you remember yesterday I dropped the whole grocery store line on you, right? Yeah. My yeah. dad really liked that, by the way. <laughs> I got a props for that as soon as I was able to go home and eat dinner with my parents. But 
more importantly, this defense that Chicago has is the perfect embodiment of that. Vic Fangio, his first year, didn't have a lot of weapons to work with on the defensive side of the ball for Chicago, but they built a foundation, and they found established players and contributors that they felt, Adrian Amos was one of them, by the way, that they could build the defense around long-term. Well, now they've brought in some veterans. They've obviously made the trade for Khalil Mack, and they've developed their homegrown talent. It is as picture-perfect of a blueprint of how you want to build a defense as there is in the NFL right now. Yeah. But that being said... The Packers have something new on their side of things, and they needed to make adjustments, and that's going to be the big emphasis going into this game. I just think when you look at that battle in the trenches, especially you know if you are able to get to the second level against Roquan Smith, against Danny Trevathan, that's where the Packers are really going to need to make their opportunities count because it's so difficult. There's going to be times where you're going to be running into that wall. It's only going to get you two yards, but you have to be able to keep going back to that well. I thought John very articulately put it earlier this week with that stretch zone scheme, the outside zone scheme, you know, finding different ways to get guys moving a little bit so mm-hmm. you're not just charging headfirst into them yeah. in, in wearing down the defense over four quarters. That's going to be the big key. You and I were talking on our Packers Periscope pregame, and the question was asked of us, how many touches do you see Aaron Jones getting in this game? Could very well see it being a 15-touch Aaron Jones, 12-touch Jamal Williams kind of game because their styles play off each other perfectly, and I think this is the perfect opponent to use that kind of juxtaposition of talented running backs in tandem. Yeah, and I think you want to try to keep those running backs. If you're if you're going to pound into that wall, as you say, and try to get them to respect the run, you're going to need to do it with a couple of guys over the course of four quarters, not just feed one guy over and over. I, I don't think that's going to work against this defense. And I don't know the exact statistics like I do the Packers defense, but to me, at least the way I looked at it, the Bears don't have like this big rotation of guys. I mean, a lot of these guys play a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're conditioned. They're well-conditioned, and they hold up in the fourth quarter. It's the reason they were one of the top defenses in the league last season. But you're going to see very many of the same looks once you get into the second and third quarters. Finding your opportunities, finding the holes, and capitalizing on those is going to be critical. Yeah. Well, switching to the defensive side, I see a couple of keys here for the Packers. One is to be sound tacklers. Yeah. And we that, that goes for any game. But when you look at this Bears offense specifically – Tariq Cohen and the new rookie running back, David Montgomery, the third-round pick out of Iowa State. He was actually the Bears' first draft pick because they did not have a pick in the first two rounds. They took Montgomery in the third round as their opening pick. These two guys are are a combination of, of both fast, but they've got a little bit of power to them, too. They are not easy to get on the ground. And you can't let these guys break tackles. You can't let them turn a three and four yard gain into the seven or eight or 12, you know, the explosive type of gains on the ground. So I think that's one of the keys. The other thing, and this, this one comes with a bit of a caveat because Mitch Trubisky's now in his third year. We're going to see just how much progress Mitch Trubisky has made. And I think because the bears didn't have a first or second round draft pick, I think Trubisky's uh, trajectory here is really going to determine just where the bears are going to ultimately go but I think you've got to keep this guy in the pocket. You have to make him beat you from the pocket until he proves that he can because the Bears games that I did watch last year, I thought Trubisky was at his most dangerous when he was allowed to scramble out. And whether he was running for first downs or just scrambling out and then being able to throw the ball on the run, he was really, really good, and he hurt defenses that way. 
if I'm the Packers, I don't want to let this guy get out of the pocket. Make him beat you from the pocket first, and then maybe adjust from there. And, and I do. I have respect for what um, they did in terms of building up the receiving core here. Certainly they got Allen Robinson and, and uh, uh, Taylor Gabriel, who has a history with Matt LaFleur sure. in Atlanta. I did like the draft pick of Anthony Miller. I know he's been off to a slow start. But let's be honest here. The way that Mitchell Trubisky plays this game, what are the biggest points of emphasis in this offense? It's a multifaceted, versatile run game. Running backs that can do different things. I think the one thing that the Bears on the offensive side of the ball have done a phenomenal job of the last two years is they've built up running backs that complement Trubisky's skill set. And this year, with bringing in Mike Davis uh, and you know seeing where he's come from and the kind of bell cow back that he can be, I'm not anticipating that he's going to be the guy getting the most touches out of that group. But they just all three of those guys have such different styles. And David Montgomery's sort of a little bit of a blend of everything. And then the other key to this game, Mike, is going to be Trey Burton. And he's been dealing with the groin injury. He's been limited in practice. But I think everybody understands and sees that that tight end position, especially with the way that Trubisky does this thing, is going to be really critical in this offense for the long run. So if Burton doesn't play or he's limited, I think that's going to be a big thing to keep an eye on with this matchup. And then from there, just not allowing, as you said, Trubisky to get outside the pocket, extend plays, and get the ball in his running back's hands. If you can shut down that component of it and get pressure on him, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Yeah, well, the latest we heard out of Chicago is they're saying Burton could be a game-time decision, so we may be finding out 90 minutes before kickoff on Thursday night when the inactives are turned in whether Burton is available for Mitch Trubisky or not. And there's a big drop-off after him. I mean, he's their guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Adam yeah. Shaheen was a, was a mid-round, I think a second-round pick last year, but he's gotten off to a slow start with his career. There isn't, like, a big go-to receiving target in this offense beyond Burton at the tight end position, so that's going to be a big one to track. Even though I know there was such a discrepancy between the size of the two injury reports, right. the fact that Burton's on there and is a game-time decision is one of the more important, prevalent ones of this matchup. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, quickly here, Wes, select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, I'm going to throw a couple of game preview questions at you here, Wes, right, that I me. honestly didn't prepare prepare you for. That's true. We talk a lot about matchups. The NFL is a game of matchups. It's one-on-one -on -one in certain situations. You have to beat the man across from you. What's the one-on-one -on -one matchup that has your attention the most heading into this game? It's a great question, and, and it would be very easy for me at this point in time just to say Khalil Mack against the outside tackles of the, or the offensive tackles of the Packers. Sure. If you want to talk about that later, by all means, <laughs> that's your prerogative. But I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers in the safeties of the Chicago Bears. Another question was asked of us, a good question in our live, our pregame live, live stream Periscope about – you know, you look at the history that both Adrian Amos has, you know, the year that he spent with Mitchell Trubisky and then the time that Aaron Rodgers spent with HaHa Clinton-Dix. It's sure. who that matchup favors. I always feel like the burden of proof is on the defense to stop the offense, so I believe that matchup probably favors both of those quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers has played against, has practiced against HaHa Clinton-Dix in all these years. It's going to be really interesting to see what that dynamic's like. If there's certain areas of Clinton Dix's game that Rodgers looks to exploit, if there's certain things that Clinton Dix looks out of Rodgers to potentially capitalize on. 
But then Eddie Jackson, too, is back there, and he's one of the top young safeties in this league as well that the Packers have become pretty familiar with the last few years. Jackson's a big-time. I mean, he was a big-time playmaker for this Bears defense. I don't remember exactly how many of the six defensive touchdowns uh, he had, I but I know he had four of them. I know he had multiple. Yeah. Um, so. It was quite a few, but uh, be that as it may, that cat-and-mouse game that Aaron Rodgers is going to play with those safeties, the only thing that's different really about this Bears defense this year is the secondary. Uh, with, you know, Bryce Callahan is now in Denver. Buster Scrine appears to be the nickel for them now. Yeah. So the new positions there are the unknowns, are the areas that you aren't quite sure what you're going to get. Because let's be honest, even though Chuck Pagano is the defensive coordinator now, when you have the type of athletes that the Bears have, I don't expect wholesale changes from this unit. I expect him to look at the film and try to put those players, a lot of them in the prime of their careers, back in those positions the question is now, how does Clinton Dix match up with his former teammate at Alabama in Eddie Jackson? And then also, what does Busker Scrine offer in the slot? Seeing how Aaron Rodgers plays against those components, it's going to be very intriguing. Yeah, and I think it, it definitely goes almost without saying the Khalil Mack against the offensive tackles. I think, based on the way the Bears used Mack last year, yes, he will move around. He won't always be lining up in the same spot, but if there's one guy who's going to get him the most out of the Packers offensive lineman, I think it's going to be Brian Balaga. And mm-hmm. I think this is a obviously a really interesting matchup. We all know what Mac did in the first half last year at Lambeau Field. He had just joined the Bears a week earlier. He was a one-man wrecking crew in the first half of that game. Now the Packers, obviously, they made some adjustments. They were able to limit his impact in the second half. I think potentially his conditioning played into that as well because he had basically missed the entire training camp and preseason. But the thing that's interesting that we talked about earlier in the week, obviously, with this Bears defense is you can you could stick a tight end over there. You can chip block with a running back. You can do whatever it takes to take Khalil Mack yeah. out of the game. Anybody can do that. The reason you can't just necessarily sell out to do that is because of Akeem Hicks and Leonard yeah. Floyd and Roquan Smith and these other guys that they have in their defensive front seven. But I still say if you're walking out of, if you're walking out of Soldier Field – at the end of Thursday night saying Khalil Mack didn't have a big impact on this game, I like the chances of the Packers coming out on top. That's a win. I mean, that's going to be the starting point. Uh, And, again, you have to be able to curtail Hicks. We know the dominating force that he can be. The NFL saw it last year. But there's a reason why Khalil Mack is the one that brought the headlines to this unit. I think there was a lot of people, Vic Fangio among them, that felt like they were just that one piece short of becoming a really dominant defense last season and Mac put them over the top. So for Brian Balaga, David Bakhtiari, the rest of that offensive line, understanding where he is at all times and being able to neutralize that threat is going to be imperative for the long-term success of this team. And then also in certain opportunities, you know, being able to, you know, come up with some mid-game adjustments. I mean, Matt LaFleur talked about that at the podium this week. I mean, how much in these type of matchups is going to be based on Seeing something that maybe you weren't entirely prepared for, not that's the wrong word, but entirely anticipating, but using something else that you've prepared to counter that. Yeah. Expect the same thing on the Packers offensive side of the ball as well. So uh, it's just that that's the chess game you play, especially early on here when everything's 35, 40% unscouted looks and just kind of unveiling it for the first time. And again, for it being the, the kickoff to the 100th game, you know, the 100th season of the NFL. 
I don't think you could ask for more a better matchup to see exactly two teams that, with the rivalry, the history that these guys have, yeah. and also what the ramifications for a game like this is in this division right off the bat. All right. Well, one other question I want to throw at you, <clears throat> and I was asked this by a couple of different readers in our Insider Inbox column in a few different ways. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers, Mitch Trubisky, Devontae Adams, Khalil Mack, Adrian Amos, Zadarius Smith, you know, all of the big-name components that go into this game. Is there a guy that nobody's talking about that maybe ends up having an impact on Thursday night that potentially swings this game one way or the Did other? Did you say Preston Smith in that litany of names? I didn't, actually. That's probably That's my pick. That's your guy? Because okay. so much of the spotlight's going to be on Amos just because of his history with the Bears and I know Eddie Jackson holds him in really high regard for you know the, the chemistry that they built and how he helped him along, despite Amos being kind of a young guy himself. But Preston Smith, man, I've said this at numerous turns, and I'm really glad that Larry McCarron mentioned this in one of our last three things episodes of the season of, of training camp. You know, all the headlines pretty much have gone towards Zadarius Smith, and yeah. rightfully so. He's <laughs> going to be a big player in this offense. I think there's people that feel like this is a guy that has legitimate Pro Bowl potential and a chance to be a perennial, you know, eight, ten sack guy a year. But Preston Smith is really well cut for this defense. I think more than any other signing the Packers made this offseason, this guy just makes sense for what Mike Pettin wants out of the outside linebacker position, the yeah. multitude of ways that you can use him. So I'll be honest with you, Mike, I would not be surprised in the least if after all this conversation about the changes on offense and everything, that you see a guy like Preston Smith who's sort of, you know, he's quiet, he's soft-spoken, but he just does his job you know, makes an impact with a sack or two at, at key points of this game. And on top of that, when you have a running game like the Bears have, you need to be able to shut down the edges, and Preston Smith's a guy that can help you there as well. Yeah, and my guy is on the other side of the ball. If I were to pick sort of a quiet, potentially unsung hero in this game, I'm going with Geronimo Allison. Sure. Because you mentioned, as we talked about, one of the only position changes, personnel changes on defense for the Bears is that nickel corner. And I think the way the Bears potentially match up here against the Packers, I'm not sure if Kyle Fuller is going to travel and match up uh, play after play with Devontae Adams or or if Prince Amukamara will take his share. That's the way they've done it against yeah. Adams in the past. They've used both of those guys. But then I think the other guy probably – as far as your starting corners, has to be on MVS because he's the speedster who could take the top off the defense. So I think Allison, with his experience, and as comfortable, in my opinion, as comfortable and potentially productive as he's looked from what we've seen in Matt LaFleur's offense, I think Allison against that new nickel corner for the Bears could be a matchup that the Packers are going to go after. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Scrine, I know there was some questions about him in the free agency this year and some of the plays that have been given up, some of the penalties that have been amassed. You know, They feel like he can be a guy that's going to settle in there. The problem for the Bears is that Callahan had just become such a consistent guy for them. I mean, you talk about... You know, maybe he's not a perennial pro bowler, but just a guy that fits your defense a lot like, you know, Morgan Burnett, I felt like a number of years fit the Packers defense and yeah. what they wanted to do. Yeah. Callahan was sort of a safety valve there and now he's gone. And that's just the game. You're gonna lose guys here and there. So with with Scrine coming in there and if that's who ends up getting that matchup against Allison, that will be a good one to watch. Yeah. Well real quickly here, Wes, before we go, because it is our last show heading into the game. Unbelievable. Just taking a look ahead at week one in the NFL, other games that uh, 
maybe are worth watching, worth keeping an eye on as the Packers are going to have the first Sunday of the regular season off. The two that jump out at me in the NFC are the Rams playing at Carolina and then Atlanta playing at Minnesota to open things. Sure. I think those are both pretty intriguing, especially Atlanta, a team that a lot of people are saying, hey, they weren't a playoff team last year, but they still have a lot of really, really good pieces. And if there's going to be any faltering by the Saints at all in that NFC South, Atlanta is maybe the team that jumps into that spot. I, it's funny, man. The NFC South, I've never been able to keep real good tabs on <laughs> in any given year. You think, okay, it's a tough Carolina's group to figure out. A Super Bowl team, and now they're going to get on a run. They didn't. Uh, Atlanta makes its run, almost wins a Super Bowl, and now they've been up and down. Yep. I don't know what to expect, but I will say for a week one matchup, I'm not ever going to throw out must win, but there's a reason for both of these teams to want to win that game. If you're the Vikings, you want to, you want to get this after how last season ended because the next week you're coming to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. For the Falcons, you want to actually be able to sort of rinse your mouth of what happened last season and just legitimately say, okay, we're going to be a different team. Our defense is going to be better. We're going to be able to make another run at this thing, and it starts with that matchup. For me personally, if I can throw this one in there, yeah, New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys. The reports out there, I know we don't usually get into reports, but the reports out there that Zeke Elliott reaching an extension there with the Cowboys. He's on my fantasy team. But even <laughs> ding, more ding, than ding. that, him versus Barkley, that, that's the matchup now, year in and year out, in terms of the, arguably the two top running backs in this game. Yeah, That is going to be fun to watch, and also seeing – how, again, a running back or a player performs after not being in a camp, and if he can just hit the ground running, I think that's going to be uh, something you have to really keep in mind here as we get started now in week one. Yeah, and Sunday night football, Ben Roethlisberger against Tom Brady. doesn't get much better than that in terms of that first Sunday night. I mean, this Thursday night opener, the Sunday night, it's, it's going to be a pretty good opening weekend of NFL football. And there's a part of me, too, that at this juncture in our lives, in their careers, that you don't know how many more times you're going to get Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger versus Brady right. again. So right. each one of those you, you cherish and you appreciate for what it is. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted because we got a plane to catch. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Thursday night's big kickoff opener on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you please, on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>